Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. G'day folks and welcome to another episode of Encounters Down Under. We have Oliver joining us on the show who has had multiple experiences with beings from his childhood that even escalated to involving his family. Now I must warn you, there is an extreme language warning and we also went a bit Joe Rogan with this episode. So this will be a part one of two episodes. We also had some technical difficulties making me a bit quieter this episode. But without further ado, welcome to the show, Oliver. Mate, welcome to the yep. show. Um, you're yep. our guest for episode four, mate. Um, so mm-hmm. welcome to the show, Oliver, mate. You've um, hit me up there to go on and tell us about your sort of experiences there, mate. So, mate, Oliver, yep. you take over the show and um, tell us about your experiences, mate. All right. So, um, yeah, I'm 39, so... You know, it's been a while since I've had sort of even thought about it, talked about it, but I've come across the web, the uh, Facebook page, and thought I'd have a go and, uh, you know, spread some light on some of this stuff. Um, so, where do I start? Basically, I'll start with the earliest uh, experience. So, basically, it just started with like a simple sighting. Um, I was at a barbecue. It was in, um, I think it was in like Liverpool, Western Sydney area. And um, at the time, and we were visiting some people as a barbecue and there was something flying overhead and it was quite a big sort of uh, disc shape, um, sort of like, uh, just like a typical flying saucer shape with um, big bulbs on the side. And um, they had quite bright lights, uh, quite well lit, probably like green and red. Um, yeah, big lights and the, and the outside sort of bulbs were kind of rotating around the outside of the out, out on the on the outside of this uh, disc, and it didn't really make sense to me till later on, till I was make uh, you know able to sort of reprocess the the memory. Yeah. But um, I do have a good long term memory because I did have a lot of um, a very active and busy early part of my life. So I, when I was like one years old in like 1983. My dad actually took me to Fiji and my first few years were actually spent in Fiji. So I had a lot of big experiences. I didn't just sit in front of a TV and that's why I can remember a long way back because um, I had a lot of big events. So um, so that was the first one. Um, and then basically from from there, there wasn't really anything, um, you know, supernatural or anything unexplainable. But sort of when I got to about... 1992, um, just before I turned 11, um, we we were living in Tasmania by this stage, and um, we moved. 
out to a remote part of uh, the Tasmanian bush, which is a, it's an area called um, the Wailanka Forest. It's an old growth forest. Um, it's owned by the State Forest Forestry Commission um, and controlled by them. There's a lot of um, protests and things up through through there to do with like logging and all that sort of stuff. But it's a, it's an unserviced area, so there's no uh, well back then there was no uh, electricity, um, there was no water supply, none of that. Everybody who lived out in that in that sort of valley and in the bush out there was completely off grid and self sufficient. Um, the only thing some people might have had a phone. You could get a phone line out there back then, um, but the way we had it set up was. Um, uh, t big truck batteries, DC deep cycle uh, truck batteries, and a couple of solar panels, and that was back in the early early 90s, so not early mid 90s. And um, and the water we pumped it up uh, from the what's called the Sandspit River, which is a river that comes runs through the Wailanka Forest. Um, you can Google it if you're wondering. It's southeastern Tasmania, um, so it's quite remote. It's probably to get out of there from where I where we were located is probably if you go north of there up the east coast, it's called W Road. It's a forestry road. It's not um it's not a public road. It's a forestry commission road. Um and some quite you know, bizarre things happen up in that forest because it's so isolated and it's so terrifyingly scary at night. Um that uh you know, it's 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 really getting out there. It really is. It's probably 30, 40 k's north to the nearest town. I think is Orford, along the, from where we were. And probably if you were heading south, that would take you onto a place called um, called Copping. And if you took a left at Copping, that would take you to Port Arthur. That's just to give people a bit of a reference as to where I was. So I was right smack bang in old growth you know, forest um, taken away from civilization for whatever reason. Dad decided to move in with the uh, the wicked stepmother that lived in a uh, like an ancient schoolhouse. It used to be a, um, a logging town back in the, I don't know when, but it was a logging town. And this is the only building left from that old colonial logging era. Okay. And, um, and so that's just to give you a bit, bit of an idea. So I lived in, um, so I had this sort of main house, which, they, you know, you cook dinner and all that. It was um, use a slow combustion fire and all that sort of stuff. So, um, as you can imagine, quite clear skies, Tasmania out there in the bush, no, no lights, completely, um, you know, clear, clear as you can you can imagine. So, um, anyway, so we've moved out there. I wasn't real too happy about it because I was happy to see me mates and had a little girlfriend, all that sort of stuff. So I was pretty um, not too happy about being out there. Anyway. The way the house was, the the bathroom was up on stilts sort of thing and out away from the house. Okay. It was a separate building. And there was a, a bed in there, which sometimes when people stay out, they used to stay in there. So you had like the bathroom there and had, had the bed right in front of the, this sort of big, probably a 1.2 by 1.2 square window. And you, my bed was right in front of the window. And so this was early after, like not long after moving out there. And um, I wake up one morning, probably real middle of the night, really like three, three thirty, something like that. Um, and just was looking out the window, and um, 
looked out the window and it's just another normal night, I suppose. And then all of a sudden, from the north, and I'm looking north, um, there was a, quite a large sort of disc, like a large disc, just like you'd think, you know, imagine a flying saucer disc. Yeah. Um, and it flew from the north directly towards my location. And it probably, it stopped above the house, directly above above the house because I was looking at the house from, from the, from the bathroom, from where I was, from where I was sleeping. So, and I remember just going like I was 10, maybe 11. And I was, yeah, it's just like what didn't really believe what I was seeing. Like, you know, I hadn't had anything other than that first little sighting, which really didn't make sense anyway. And this is, hovering 150 or I reckon 150 to 200 meters above the house so it's just hovering there and and I'm looking up and it's just so bright sliding the whole you imagine because it's how dark how dark it is like just with the still of the night clear night not a cloud in the sky um and I don't remember it being an overly starry night for some reason either it was one of them sort of dark nights with a moon you know sort of between moons kind of thing where it's kind of darkish anyway so it's kind of a very very clear but I don't remember being overly starry. So anyway, um, it's just hovering there. And I remember distinctly going, this is, am I actually asleep still? Like, is this a dream? Um, and I remember vividly like pinching myself to cause myself some pain to realize, oh, no, I'm, I'm actually seeing this. Like, I'm actually, you know, this is actually here. And, and I'm, I'm looking, I wasn't scared at all. The whole thing about it is that, there was no fear in me at all. I was absolutely as calm. Like I just finished an hour long meditation or something, you know, like I was completely calm, which is another bizarre thing about it. Cause normally, you know, everybody's we're all we're a fear based animal. So like you see something like that, normally you'd want to get the hell out of there or hide or be hiding yeah. in the corner or something. Um, so yeah, I knew what fear was. I was in a massive cyclone in 1986. One of my earliest memories, I was in a cyclone on an island in Fiji. Um, 280 kilometre hour winds, you know, like we had to come. That's why we came back to Australia. So I knew what fear was. I knew what hiding under the bed was. You know, I was in, I was in, a, I was in a buray, you know, one of the grass huts, and the roof was actually sucked off and I was hiding under the bed. You know, like I remember. Yeah, yeah. So like that was like, that's one of my, I was like four maybe at that stage, four and a half. And so I knew what fear was, but no, I was calm, like as calm as you can imagine. And uh, like you were sitting there watching a waterfall or something, you know, and, and I'm just amazed, blown away. Like, wow, what am I looking at? You know, it's so there. Yeah, yeah, t- absolutely. Absolutely. Locking, locked onto it with my eyes. Like I couldn't look away from it. You know, it was just that, wow, what am I looking at? And then, um, and then uh, probably... 15, 20 minutes, I'd have to say, like, yeah, it could have been longer, could have been less, I don't know, because perception of time when you're, when you're really engrossed in something could be skewed, so I'm just trying to give a bit, a rough, that's my perception of the time that passed was probably about 15 to 20 minutes that it was above the house, it could have been longer. Um, so anyway, it didn't move, it was just, it was just hovering there silently, absolutely silently lighting up the whole this whole 
like we're sort of in a clearing in the forest, you know? Yeah. And uh, probably, probably about 15, 20 minutes in, these glowing um, orbs, they're sort of like, uh, just like a light bulb, just the same size as a light bulb, just two round light bulbs came down. And I was, same light sort of texture as the craft itself, like very bright orbs. They came down from this from this craft. They came down and they, these two of them, they came down together in tandem, probably, they always seemed to be the same distance apart from each other. That's what I always remember about it is that they weren't sort of mingling in with each other. They were, they always maintained a distance from each other. So these two orbs came down and they kind of flew down, glided down and they sat outside of my window and they were, I don't know whether you call it communicating with each other or something. Cause one would flash and the other one would flash and the other one would flash. And the other one would flash. Like there was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a pattern, because the length of the flashes seemed to vary. Like when they were flashing, it wasn't like like a Morse code sort of thing where it's all like beep beep beep. Okay. The cadence of the of how long it would flash on and off changed or varied between each flash. Like it was sort of sporadic a little bit the way they. But I felt that they were communicating with each other. Whatever these things were, that was my interpretation at the time. Being you know, ten, eleven year old kid. Um, prepubescent, you know, just probably about a year away from hitting puberty, really. I was pretty small kid myself, late bloomer. Um, yeah, and I was just, and I was just still just, wow, you know, like when I'm like still blown away by the whole situation. Yeah, it was still charm at the same time. <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely, no, no fear at all. It's, um, yeah, I, I that, that's one of the things that, um, I still look back at it and go. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that it was that calm, you know. Um, but again, maybe I was desensitized a little bit from the being in an extreme situation where it was a, you know, a cyclone. You know, I got up the next day during that cyclone and I'd seen um, a de- uh, decapitated body with the head severed, you know, because oh, the, the, big, the, the, the big building that was um, near the barrier. Um, it's a sugarcane plantation where we were. We live with like Indians and Fijians and, you know, we blend in with the villages and all that sort of stuff. So I was right in, in, in with the culture and everything. And, and um, yeah, the, the big um, corrugated iron um, shed um, had, had collapsed and blown in and, and the tin must have gone in in such a fashion where it actually took one of the, the people's heads off. Yeah, so that so that's so – I was on like four, four and a half or so when I'd, I'd seen – like that you know that's one of my earliest memories is a, a decapitated body um so maybe i was desensitized a little bit to extreme things there's a yeah. possibility there um so um yeah so that so basically these these orbs um is the best way to describe them everyone's who's involved in this sort of understands what orbs are or orb lightning everyone's researched that um, and they say it's in, has intelligence and all that sort of stuff. Well, these these obviously had their own intelligence. These 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 orbs. So after that, um, yeah, after about that twenty minute period, after those orbs came down, this this craft just took off back in the same direction, back in towards the north um, that it came from, absolutely silently, and it, and it sort of gradually went up and up and up up you know up into the sky kind of thing and disappeared from from view. 
just just disappeared. Wow. It just went, yeah, silently. Um, it probably took big craft. I'll try to I'll try to give you a dimension of it, yep. um, so people can you know how big is this thing. Um, let's say almost. Let's say a basketball court length, okay, like diameter. That's a pretty decent size. Maybe, maybe rough, like two hundred. You're thinking two hundred, two hundred meters up. It, it covered the entire roof of the the house. It's quite a big old, it's a big old schoolhouse. So it's quite a large single building. Yeah. Um, you know, so probably if at least at least a football. Oh no, sorry, a basketball court. In length, maybe maybe a bit longer, maybe just a bit longer, because it overhang. It was it was covering the whole, the whole house, but it was a two hundred, probably one hundred fifty, two hundred meters up. Anyway, perspective, it would be pretty large object either way. Pretty large. It was pretty big. It was pretty big. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I probably wasn't thinking in terms of oh yeah, how big is this, and you know, scientific like that, like oh yeah get the rule or how big is that like i was just blown away by the whole the whole thing i was sort of taken completely absorbed in the moment um so it 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 took off um and it probably took oh man i reckon two to five seconds to completely go north and up like and out of view like two to five seconds to really like and that's on a clear night where you could see something going as far away as you could, you know what I mean? Like if something was just flying away, like a plane, yeah. you would be able to see it for like ages and ages and ages and, and watch it go. Ever, you ever watched, just watched a plane like, you know, yeah, go and just yeah. watch, right? What most, what a, you know, you're doing nothing, you see a plane, just see how far you can see it till. Well, yeah. it takes a while for it to cross the sky. This thing just went boom within, within two to five seconds, this thing took, took off. And, and disappeared from view. And there were no clouds. It didn't disappear behind the clouds or anything like that. It was a clear night. It just went bang, gone. So um, anyway, um, these, from this point forward, um, over the next, particularly over the next 12 months, um, played a very sort of regular role, like nightly, like in my life. Like these orbs would... Um, I had a room, like a, a room kind of built for me. Like my dad was a, a bricklayer and a builder. So he built me a room and it was a, a double, it was like a, a, its own sort of self-contained building in a sense that was separate to the old house. So I slept separate to the main house um, in the middle of this forest, you know, like shit myself every night. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, these, whatever they were, were, were just interested in me for some reason. They were always sort of outside my windows. The way my, the way my room and the door was, the door was set up, there was always a gap between the top of the door and the roof. It's just the way the, you know, a bit of a rustic sort of set up as some of these bush properties are, you know? So, yeah. um, the top of the door wasn't sealed off to the outside. So, I would have them in my room from time to time and I would be so scared that I would be um, underneath my, my blanket and I'd just have a little hole so I could breathe fresh air and I'd just like have be peeking like through the thing because these things would be in, in my room. Yep. 
Um, I became less and less kind of scared over time of them because they didn't. I never. They never hurt me or anything. But the things that um, kind of uh, really did scare me were, you know, when you wake up at in the middle of the night in a completely dark place where there is no lighting, there is no light switch. You've got to actually get out and light a candle. Um, when there's a little being in your room, it's about one, you know, 1.2 meters high, you know, a little, a little, you know, it's got two arms, two legs and a head oh, wow. and it's standing there in the, in the dark of the room. Um, you, your fear level goes completely to a whole, no, a whole nother, like, another dimension. I think it'd be like absolute terror. You're too scared to, to scream. You're too scared to make any sound like, you know, um, you know, I was only what, 10, 11, you know, I was fucking terrified. And <clears throat> the, these, those were the, the, the initial, um, sort of, I suppose, ETs, if you want to call them that, um, I didn't really have a name name for them or anything other than I was just terrified of these things. And um, they, and then at the same time, you have sort of repressed, repressed memories or things that you remember in the morning, like what the hell has happened? Um, I remember being on a board, um, actually being taken outside. It was just like hovering, this little sort of board that I was sort of placed on. Okay. And um, by the by, these these little um, these short ones, and they're not, not the um, the typical greys that you see like Whitley, Whitley Stryber and the you know the books like that. We got the praying mantis grey with the big arm and eyes. <clears throat> I never seen them. I've seen um, the ones that used to interact with me were probably 1.2 meters high, um, so they were short, like four foot. But instead of the big arm and eyes, they just had perfectly round dark eyes oh, right. perfectly round and they were they were short um and quite that's about all i can really tell you about them they were short and they were, they're incredibly strong because they just pick you up yeah okay they so do pick... they have the same sort of common alien head shape that's everyone like stereotypical shape no not, not that i can remember and you have to remember it was always really really dark like it was always dark like when when you you sort of wake up and these things, and they they basically get you get you coerce you internally inside, like to come with them. So there's an element of there's an element of consent um, between you and them, and you're so scared that you don't know how to resist, and also you can't move. They they. You know, everyone probably aware of that by now. You know that they can control your your movement and your 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 voice, all that. So you could scream as loud as you like, and it sounds like you're you're screaming into a paper cup. You know, like it's it's not going anywhere. You know, you ever done that thing with a paper cup and a string, and you're like yelling to get a you know like that. It, it there's a good depiction of that, and it's um. Fire in the Sky. Have you heard of the movie Fire in the Sky? I have, yeah. Yeah, have you seen it? No, I haven't watched it. And there's a good depiction of like where he's sort of, where he's up on the craft and it's the typical ones that, you know, the typical sort of praying mantis looking ones and and he's um, screaming at the top of his lungs, but it's like really quiet. 
it's that's what it's that's what it's like. You're screaming as loud as you can, but but nothing's coming out. You can yell. They, they've got control of of my entire the entire situation. The whole the whole thing. They're in charge. Uh, but you've but at the same time, you have to cons- that there's an element of your own personal will because this existence that we're in, um, these kinds of things there's always an element of your own will to, to everything, you know, it's to everything we do in this life. There is an element of our own will and that comes from inside your own spirit that says yes or no, like there's a deep down. So you have to, if you're having these problems with these things, then there's an element inside you, which needs to really um, learn how to fight them on an, on an internal battle to try and gain some control over your own, your own will. Because they'll dominate your will. That's what they do. Because it requires, again, it requires a consent. There's an element of consent or your willingness to, to, to go along with it or go with them. So I remember being strapped to this board anyway. So I remember being not strapped, but I was placed on this board like a silver. I remember it was, it was perfectly shiny, like polished stainless steel. And it was kind of like, kind of like, uh, what's the best way to put it? A surfboard shape, okay. maybe. And taken outside, I was on this board. It seemed to float, like just like a little craft or a little hovercraft or something like that. And I was taken outside by this thing or a group of them. And outside, past the past the old bathroom where I was initially staying and I remember going from ground level to as high as far and as far above the trees as you can imagine in, in an eye blink, boom, like that, like bang. Oh, wow. And that, and that's, and that's where that memory ends. That memory ends there. I don't remember anything from, from after that, but I remember seeing the, I've seen the earth, like high altitude of the earth, not the entirety of the earth, but I've seen the, a very high altitude um, picture of the Earth from my own my own eyes. So it's at, at, to, uh, like at, if you're in an aircraft or something, like looking out the window. No, a lot higher, a lot higher than that. Oh, wow. Yeah, higher higher than an aircraft. Like you can see, like it just it just sucked me up. Like like I was um, like I was like, exactly like being in a vacuum. Like like imagine imagine just like being sucked up. Imagine you're sucking up a cockroach in, in a vacuum. Like that, just like that kind of thing. It's just like push, like pulled me up, and that was that was the the first experience of um, that I remember of being taken somewhere else. But I don't remember what happened, and and that's one of the things that is always frustrating for me is that I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, on the other side of that, I don't know what the interactions involved. I don't know um, anything. And, and there's all that, always that element that was it just some weird dream? Was it some sort of astral planning or was it some something like that? Interdimensional instead of rather being, rather than being, you know, a three-dimensional experience. Was it a, was it operating in, in some other, you know, alternate realm as well is there that there's that possibility i'm open to that idea um but it certainly felt extremely real at the time um 
So, so there was those kinds of things, and they'd they'd come into my they'd come into my room. I'd wake up, and they would it would be they they'd communicate through the mind. So they'd be it was it was always silent. It was always come come with us, come with us. Like it was always that repeatedly over and over and over. It's kind of like like a hypnotist in a way, like the way a hypnotist would go about um, sort of that sort of, uh, what do they call it? Um, uh, what do hypnotists use? They use your own your own will basically to allow someone to just kind of gain some control in a way. That's kind of like what hypnotists do. So by repeating things over and over in a certain certain way. Well, that's kind of how it come across in the, in the, in the mind. It would just like come with us and just laying there absolutely terrified, terrified. Like I can't describe the terror to you. Like words don't justify like the, 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 the sheer other terror that I went through, um, out there. Um, also being in such an isolated place as well, like being in such an isolated place, um, it just adds a whole other element to it as well. Like there's no, there's are no neighbors to scream to half the neighbors didn't like each other anyway. So <laughs> we're talking, we're talking pre 96 Tasmania. Everyone, how everyone was loaded, locked and loaded with firearms. It was, you know, that's the way it was out there. So, um, it was a very gun, gun, happy, trigger, happy place, uh, especially out there in that, especially out there in that bush, you know, um, I thought it would have been a totally, totally different sort of, no, we, no, it, a different environment. no, it was um, people at war a lot. Wow. Okay. This is no cops. Cops, if they come out, cops come out there. That's usually for a drug bust. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. A lot of big pot growers out there. Um, and so if the police were a raid out there, they'd always come with like a huge, like t- multiple cars, like 10, 15 cars, helicopters. Like that was back in the 90s. Yeah, yeah, because... Because people out there aren't going to take any shit. Like, if you, you're just a cop by yourself out there, you'll just shoot you and fucking... This board, before GPS. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a place where you go missing. That Wild Lake the Forest, so you can hide someone out there, no problems, no oh, problems at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the boogeyman is out there, man. The boogeyman is in that forest. Um, so I often wonder if there was, um, in the early days, I don't know much about, like, the indigenous population. I wonder what happened to them. I often wonder if there's, like, an old burial ground there or <laughs> something, you know, something, there's some old spirits there that don't want you there or something. But, yeah, it's definitely, a, it's a strange place, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I just wonder because the Tasmanian Aboriginals were treated pretty badly and I always wondered, you know, um, you know, what happened to them out here, you know? Did that, did it set off something, you know, like some yeah. demon or something, you know, like bad spirits i don't know so anyway um um the next uh so that was there was a couple of those um experiences and you remember this is like man i have to be honest probably twice a week a couple times a week this would this these kinds of interactions would would go on um you know you have to remember that they don't have to hide anything there's no there's no neighbors there's no they want to report anything yeah, we've got full before, before mobile phones and everyone having a camera and Wi-Fi and you know it was all it was uh, they had free reign out there to do whatever they wanted, obviously. Yeah. So um, the next really um different one was um, I woke up one night and so my nights were constantly being disturbed by all this sort of weird stuff that was going on and and. You know, my dad being a, a real Yorkshireman and in, proper Englishman, you know, it's just like harden up, son. Like, you know, fucking, <laughs> you know, shut the fuck up, son. You know, he was a proper hard, he's very hard man. So, um, he's a bricklayer and, you know, he's just a, a mason as well. So like a, like a stone mason, you know, he's a very, but he was, all, all of his friends were also Freemasons as well. So, um, he, he himself wasn't a Freemason, but he was like, a lot of his friends and, and associates and stuff were. Anyway. But we're yeah, about yeah, yeah. Just to remind everyone there, mate, uh, just to remind our listeners here to get some questions out there. If you've got anything, any questions regarding the uh, previous experience there, to go and put some in the comments there, and I'll read them out to, to you so you can now answer them. So, yeah, by all, mind, by all means, guys, get in there and uh, ask some questions that uh, bring your curiosity. But uh, what, one of the questions I want to ask you on the um, one there with the these objects coming out the window there. Um, do mm-hmm. you like take any notice of like any time frames that like take notice what time these were happening around or if there's like any sort of missing time between? Like do you know if, um, like, cause you might be looking at the it's... window at one point and then <sighs> mm-hmm. go, hey, it's like nine o'clock at night or sunlight and then next minute you go back there and it's like, oh, it's three o'clock now. No, um, as I said, like, I reckon it was only there 15, 20 minutes, but it could have been longer because it wasn't that long after it took off out of my view that the sun started coming up. Oh, right. So 
I could have been there for a solid hour, two hours. Who knows? Yeah. Because it, it was dark. It was proper night, like full thick night, you know, when when I first came over the house. But when after it left, it was, you know, morning and time to get up anyway. Um, you know, I was an early riser as a kid. So, you know, I was up doing my thing in the morning. So, um, yeah, it, it could have been there for a couple of hours. It could have been, there could have been lost time. I, ha- I have had that on, on, on later, later, um, parts of my life. I've actually had it while I was driving. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah, well, I've ended, I ended up from one place to another in a very short space of time. I'll just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's been other there's been other things there's been other things that have gone on which which are probably more on the extreme end um in terms of that sort of lost time and you know all that sort of thing so it does happen it, it and, and I, I i'm in two minds I, I don't know whether they're really operating in this reality or whether it's operating in a different different um dimensions so to speak like interdimensional and i, I kind of lean lean towards them being in, interdimensional because they've they've got control of time and space um yeah, it would when, open when up that, a lot of doors to that sort of theory anyway like there's a lot of explanations there, sort of come down that sort of path the there's a potential there and, and and um so i don't know if anyone's got any other questions but um but yeah they were about four foot high they were they were hairless sort of um i wouldn't say round sort of heads it's kind of squarish in a way kind of blockhead little things but yeah totally perfectly round dark eyes not not the typical almond because i used to read some of the whitley striber stuff and it's got yeah communion and all that it's got the yeah the praying mantis looking ones with the, the big almond eyes and that wasn't what i'd experience i hadn't experienced those zeta reticuli or whatever they're called um mine were different um the other ones that came on they came in later as i as i grew into adulthood there were there were other ones that got involved um so so i suppose we'll move on to the next the next like so i woke up one one night and i felt myself getting lifted out of bed so i was sort of lifted out of bed um, and I don't know if they were physically, I don't remember anyone grabbing me and moving me. I don't remember anyone like picking me up and like moving me. I never remember really physical direct contact in, in a way. Like, I don't know whether they were able to make me levitate or make me manipulate me in that way. But I remember being stiff as a board yeah. and, and sort of on a weird angle, raised up out of bed and they it looked like the end of like i don't know just like a beam of light came out of from the hand sort of thing it was like a big beam of light that came out of the hand and it went straight through my eyes and this sort of waves of like like a big current being shot through your body just like one after the other like a big wave i don't even know what was going on i didn't i i all this stuff just blows your mind. If you, if you're, if any of this stuff happens, it just overtakes you in the moment. There's no even time to respond because you're asleep and then you wake up and this is happening. I've been awake for two seconds. What's going on here? Um, and yeah, these, these sort of um, beams of light were 
not just beams of light, they were sort of like energy beams or something because it, it, I could feel it go right through my body. It was this whole... Yeah, it's hard to explain. I can't really fully so explain like it properly. Electrical sort of jolt or an electro, or just like a warm fuzzy. It wasn't the pain. It wasn't. A, it wasn't the pain of like being tased or zapped, but it was. It was a, definitely an, an electric current, like that went through, like through my eyes, and just went through my body and just like over and over and over again, like just one after the other, just like like being zapped but without the pain. So imagine being tased. But it doesn't cause the muscle contractions and doesn't hurt. Yeah, but it's okay. completely going through your body like a big current, like of 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 energy, is the way way to put it. And so that that went for, and it was rapid. That was like boom, like the cadence. So that was like like one, two, three, like that's just through my body, like wave after wave after like boom, 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 boom. And um. Then the next, uh, I remember just being back in bed, go to sleep. You know, like I wasn't even like uh, in a ball in a heap on the ground, fucking crying. You know, like <laughs> with my dad, there was no one to cry to anyway. No one to cry to. It, it, it would have fucking clocked me for crying. Um, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> was no yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It was um, with, with him, it was very much. Um, you know, men don't cry sort of thing. Like, yeah, yeah he, he, his dad was um, like two war veteran as well. Like he went to World War Two in career and, and, you know, had seen a lot of things. So he, he was kind of hard on him too, I think. And, um, and, uh, but the family's probably got like, you know, at least a thousand years of military service all the way down the line and various different people and, um, you know, the thing about your DNA, you, your ancestry is important. Um, all your ancestors, like memories and, and experiences that they have in their life, yep. they, they attach themselves to, to their DNA. So when, you know, you, you swim out of your, your dad's ball sack, <laughs> um, all their experiences and that, that it's that point in their life and all your ancestors before them, um, actually are attached to the DNA as well. So your experiences affect your DNA. Yeah, okay, um, I've got a question. So like, um, just yeah, in regards, yeah. I think it was in regards to the yeah. energy going through you. Um, there was no pain, yeah. was there? No, no, no pain at all. As I said, it's not like not like being tased where, or shocked um, where you've got that, that sharp you know, electricity pain. No, it's like similar thing where you've got a current of energy going through your body but with no no pain at all, like there was no, it didn't hurt, and I don't think they were ever out to physically, physically hurt me. Um, they're still in it for their own agenda. They, these these particular ones um, are purely in it. They're, they're they're not evil, I would say, but again, everything's on their terms. So they're they're definitely in it for their own. And whatever that was, I was never, as I said, I, 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 ne I used to, the memories always end as I, as I was taken, like just as I was taken, it was always, they always ended. So, so that, that's always a big block there. And I've never gone to a hypnotist and gone, oh, who do I go to? Like <laughs> there's one in America or something. Who, who do I go to? That, there that... is one in Queensland here. Um... 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't know who to go to. I'd, I'd be really, I'd be really curious and interested to see what would come out of it because the next one that that um, I remember uh, more vividly the, the the beings themselves as well. Um, we were visiting a friend down in down in Copping, the town of Copping. Um, there's a museum there, a uh, um, uh, convict museum. You can see like the bear traps and man traps and all, you know, all the old convict stuff. There's a, there's a museum there. It's a it's a junction, little junction town where you stop there to get fuel and and that. You can see the, the convict museum before you go to um, before you head off into uh, Port Arthur. So anyway, they had the big house there and with it and it was um, uh, I think 1993. Um, and it was the World Cup final or something. And my dad being a, you know, a pom, um, he wanted to, I think Manchester, no, it was World Cup, sorry, it was the FA Cup or Premier League, some shit like that. Yep. I never followed it, but um, he, he liked Manchester United and we went there to a friend's place to go and watch it because we couldn't get TV reception where we lived. So we went there and it was a mass, big old house, big old house. You know, the kids are at one end doing whatever parents at the other like you can you know you can't hear anybody you know like it's a big house so um so watch the watch the football everyone you know all right cool kids go to their room and we're all sleeping like in in one of the big rooms inside with a fire fireplace because oh, yeah. middle of winter and it's cold you know it's really cold down there yep in the middle of winter so um the fire's going so we're all crashing on couches or whatever you know it's, it's pretty cool and i kind of liked one of their daughters too so i was sort of, you know been a sus cunt but <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? so i was checking her out that and trying to be friend, a bit too friendly maybe but um she was having to borrow it but um anyway uh let's start young dad says me so um anyway uh <laughs> at least she wasn't related to me right anyway um so this particular um time um whatever date that the FA Cup or the Premier League, whatever date that was, it was middle of winter. It was green. Like during the day it was cold, but it was green. And the next day when I woke up, it was, it was completely snowy. But in that night, after everybody went to sleep, um, I got woken up again and I was lifted up, carried. And this time, I, this, this particular time, I do remember being actually carried by these things. And it's very strange because I'm in there with a group of, people and yeah. completely silently and they were there was probably half a dozen of them rather usually it was just one this one that was in front of me but like when i was in my room but this particular time there's about probably half a dozen there's probably half a dozen and and there's a bit of a hierarchy amongst amongst them because one there'll be one's kind of directing them he's standing off to the off to the side and he's kind of directing them or he's in charge or something. So he like, there's a bit of a hierarchy amongst these ones. So, um, and they literally carried me towards the, up the hallway, the front the hallway of the house towards the front door, which, which was weird because these people didn't use the front door. They never used the front door. It was yeah. always the side side doors or the back. It was a proper big house, big old, stone house from the convict era it was a big old house and um solid house made out of stone yeah and um so anyway um yeah they, i i remember being taken out the front and i'm just look 
able to look around though. Like I was able to actually move my head this time. Like I could move a little bit more. The other times is completely stiff, but I think through the various interactions, they kind of maybe give you a little, more, little bit more control. I don't know, but I could move my head at least this time. And I remember just looking around, just like blown away again. Cause every time is like, wow, you have to think like every time is even though I'd had it before a few times, a couple of times or a few times that I could recall this, it was, it's still an amazing experience in itself and also terrifying, still terrifying. Yeah, like it it's, it's still terrifying. You can't, I don't think you, you can get conditioned enough to, to just be like, Oh yeah, you know, that uh, this happened again. Like it's every time is terif was terrifying for me. And, um, I don't think, any, honestly, I, I don't think anyone would be conditioned to it. <laughs> no, no, no. But it'd be different if they's knocked on the door and said, "How you going? I'd like to meet you." Or, you know, can I run a few tests? You know. Oh, yeah. Um. So anyway, um. Yeah. So yeah, t they they carried me and they and I I remember being taken out the front door, doors open, and it had been snowing, um, overnight and it stayed quite heavily that night, and they, I just remember being as really really bright when as soon as that door opened it was just really really bright like the most uh just overpoweringly bright and that's where that memory ends yeah so you think so right? maybe the light is sort of what's knocking you out i don't think that's a memory eraser i just think there's i, I don't know i i, I don't know maybe it's, it's so maybe it's a racy memory but something just that just knocks you out at that point there where your consciousness just isn't there anymore <laughs> Maybe you're just not able to handle it. It's so stressful that you could pass out. There's a possibility of that too. Like it is possible to pass out from something that's too much stress. Your body yeah. will, like, you know, if you're, if you're parachute, you know, if you're, you're jumping, you're using a parachute, there's a good chance you'd be unconscious before you hit the ground. Cause you, it'll be, you know, like you, you just pass out. You, it's too much. It's a safety mechanism. So you don't, you know, don't feel the impact sort of thing. So it does happen. Um, so that memory ends and that's one there that I'd love to go and, um, you know, have, have a, some kind of session and figure out what happened that night because I was able to, everything was a lot more vivid and, and, you know, I could actually see them and, you know, this time they were making themselves a little bit more known to me rather than just one in my room. Um, there was a group of them, you know, like yeah. they were exposing themselves to me. So again, I wake up the following day in the morning in my bed, you know what I mean? I just wake up in my bed, like returned, wake up. No one, no one's none the wiser. No one knows anything. I'm just like, but there's no one I can talk to about it. I, I was aware something had happened. Um, but I just shook it off as another fucked up experience and, um, looked out, looked outside and it was, you know, probably, yeah, foot and a half, probably 40 centimetres of snow all around the house. It was absolutely like snow covered, like yeah. the whole area. It snowed really heavy that night. So, um, you know, Southern Tasmania, Southeast Tasmania. So, um, yeah, so that, that was that experience. And that was, that was, that was probably one of the more, I don't know. I just remember it a lot more. It's not as hazy as the other ones. There's still a lot of haze with the other ones, but this one was like crystal clear going out the door, like, until that moment, like it's crystal clear, like 
you know, I was, I was awake, you know. Yeah. Did you try and, and go so, outside to see if there's any impressions in the snow where they would have been walking through the front door at all? I, actually, the, the 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 next day, I did have a bit of a look, but see, that door wasn't used. They didn't use that door, so it was a big big front door, and they didn't use that front that door. So I kind of had to, you know, I had to go outside and go around the house to. Yeah, you don't interrupt. I was always taught, you know, you don't interrupt the way people do things in their house. I'm just going to open this door because I had bikes and that in the front. Like, and it was more of like a, yeah, we leave our bikes and shoes and all that shit in the front and they never actually used the front. So I didn't want to go there and open this door that they never used. So I did have a look. Look, to be honest with you, I couldn't tell whether there was footprints or or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I'm not just going to say for the sake of it that there was all these little, little, um, you know, three-toed feet or <laughs> footprints in the snow or something, you know, like I, I couldn't tell you. I, I'll only tell you what, you know, what I can actually genuinely recall yeah. um, as, as, as an experience. But I remember going and ha- I actually did go and have a look and I was like looking around like, well, like, did it actually happen? Because you're, you're still questioning your own reality at this point. You know, you, oh, you're... Um, 11 years old, there's literally no one to tell about it. I'm in my own world dealing with this because it's so regular. Um, they've just, in my life, it's just part of my, my existence. And I wasn't going attending school because we lived out in the bush. Um, I was doing like a homes, uh, some sort of uh, correspondence school, which I was I was just refusing to do it anyway because I was kind of being a shit cunt myself because I didn't want to be out there. So I was, <laughs> I was kind of at war with my stepmother. So I was like, you know, I'll, I'll just be really, really fucking difficult. Um, yeah, rebelling a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was, um, one of my jobs I used, to, I used to be fucking terrified to do, but um, I had to chop a lot of wood in that because the, we had a slow combustion fire. So I, I was always chopping wood to keep the fire going. So we had hot water. It was one of them old ones. It burns and then that heats the boiler up and we've got, we've got hot water without the fire going, you know. So I had to keep the, and because it's cold as hell, you don't want to be going outside all the time. You've got your wood box in the house and it probably held about a ton of wood. So I had to keep that stocked all the time so we could cook and have hot water and have a hot bath and that sort of stuff. So yeah, wow. at night, sometimes if it ran low, um, yeah, I was proper country boy. So, you know, splitting, yeah. chopping wood, I'd been doing, I'd been doing that for years. So I'd been chopping, chopping wood. And that was, I was definitely a woodcutter from, from young age. I was, I was cutting, <laughs> chopping, chopping wood. So, um, so I was able to swing an ax really, really, really precise. By the time I was 12, I could really swing yeah. an ax. I bet you live in a trees now and go and don't want to see another piece of wood now. Oh, I can't. I fucking hate it. I, I, I hate it. But but um, with my son's boxing, actually, I, I, I bought a sledgehammer and a tire. I go, here you go. He's a taste of my childhood, man. Do it for four hours. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyway, um, at night, they, sometimes if the wood ran low, cause sometimes I'd been protesting, like, no, nah, I'm not fucking doing it. Fuck you. Like, going yeah. off, because that's why I was. Um, yeah, uh, you know, you have to go out and get wood from the wood you know from the wood pile out there in the bush um here's a wheelbarrow fill it up with wood and you got i've got to go out into the you know into the dark into the bush where the wood pile is uh for me that was not with all this stuff going on that you know when you know with all these little things that i can't explain knowing that knowing that there's things that i can't explain out there and i've got to go out into that dark into that forest and get wood at night that that was i used to do it at the speed of sound i reckon i used to cut across that 
It's always like a typical child. They run down the hallway, they oh, run down the hallway and go, nah, I'm going oh. this way or run up the stairs like, quickly because some monster's going to get you from behind or something like that, you know? So we had, yeah, we had long drop toilet. You know, you, you, you just, we're a bioacoustic, bioelectric transmitter. So that our whole, like 90% of our, 97% of our um, DNA's function is to actually act as a bioacoustic, bioelectric transmitter. So only three, only three percent of our genetic function is actually to pr- reproduce the physical body, to reproduce the proteins that make our physical, our physical body, right? The vessel that carries our spirit or our soul. So the other ninety-seven percent, which they call junk DNA, is actually what we really are, and that's a, that's basically just a, a living antenna, right? And so when, when you're getting that feeling, those hairs stand in the back of your neck and you're like, you know, I can feel something or I feel like I'm being watched, there's a good chance you are because you're picking up on something. Yeah. Something else is watching you and sending out a signal to the universe that's watching you and you're picking up on something. Yeah, you're picking yeah. up on it. You know, you can sense if someone, you know, like you've probably had a, I don't know what sort of life you've had, but yeah, most have had a scrap at some point. You knew that guy in front of you was going to suck you in the mouth before he did it. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it's, 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 right. It's totally not something unrelated to fighting or anything, regardless. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You see yeah. something's going to come at you, but you just don't have the reaction yeah. that he wanted to go on. Exactly, exactly. You can you can sense it before it's coming, but but you don't react and you, you don't listen to your instinct there, which is that's that bioacoustic that 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 transmitter. You know, there's there's signals out in the universe and you're picking up on it. Yeah. So I used to really feel like something was watching me out there. Something something was watching and possibly hunting me. That's what it felt like. You know, it felt like I was this little, you know, little skinny kid. You know, but I had an axe. It was kind of like it, it was kind of like you know. Um, Swing, split some wood, turn around. You know, you, you got the axe cocked, ready to smack something, you know, like that, that's what I'd be out there, chop. You know, is anything there behind me? You know, so it was, I was terrified. Just the whole experience out there was just, just a horrible, uh, horrible time in my life. It was, um, just left me shattered, no. left me absolutely emotionally shattered. So, like, by the end of that year, um, you know, I, I ended up, um, spending like three years in a boys hostel after this after that that year i was oh, completely man. fucking absolutely shattered yeah so took a lot to bring me out of michelle after that because i was so like just rattled from from my stepmother from everything that was going on being cut off from the world from having these weird things go on that were traumatic and not being able to talk about it to anybody or explain to anybody now the other thing is i've got physical scars from from these experiences Oh, so wow. from, from, yeah, from those particular experiences, I've got physical scars. So, um, as I said, I don't think they were out to hurt, but there's an element of maybe they want to test what kind of pain you can handle or something, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe they're Russian. Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Cause I, I woke up one night. And just getting like whipped, like whipped. That's the only way to explain it. I was getting fucking whipped by nothing that I could, I, I couldn't say anything, but I was getting whipped, like flogged by something. And it was just hitting me with like hard. And I've got, I've got 12 or 13 um, scars that run uh, horizontal across the, across the broad, like on my back, right yeah. from just below my shoulder blades all the way down um just above my tailbone and that's that they're they're scars from from these from these experiences from these interactions 
I flicked my, my back. Yeah, there's about so I can I can prove that I can I can provide a photo because I went to bed without them scars and I wake up with them. Yeah. Okay. So it's sort of like a um, like a, a sore scar, like a sort of scabby, or, or just like a bit of a uh, like you know an old sort of scar that's been there for a while. Just, a, just like the line of a scar sort of thing. No, nah, you can feel it's like it's like um, almost imagine like an African warrior's been bloody yeah they they scar their chest or whatever and they've got them keloid raised scars on their on their chest to prove that they're a warrior or a landowner yeah. or whatever they, you know the tribal tribal sort of you know the way the way they do things over in Africa or even some parts of New Guinea and places like you know men have got to have scars right yeah. um, to be a warrior or whatever well it's it's a bit like that imagine those. But it's just from being like something whipping, something really whipping, like a piece of wire or or something like that. Yeah, okay. Did you um, feel that sort of I, pain when that was happening? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wake up and it was excruciatingly painful. Each each blow was excruciatingly painful. And I actually passed out while it was still happening. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing. Again, like you, you're so scared, you you can't, you you can't make a sound. Like you can't. There's there's nothing you can. Who are you going to call out to? You know, like. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.